Warning, the following podcast has been rated R for strong language, partial nudity, and mild drug use. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Robin Hood and by the new Catholic sandwich shop that's sweeping the nation with fresh new ways to devour the body of your savior. Trans-Subway Stantiation. Trans-Subway Stantiation. Our guy fuck kids too. Nailed it. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hello, this is Nate from the Satan and Rainbows podcast. We are an in-depth music history show dedicated exclusively to the critically reviled genres of heavy metal and progressive rock. Please listen anyway. And keep in mind, whether you're gently playing the keys of a Mellotron or shredding on a flying V, we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey men. It's October 25th. And it's National Sourest Day. And every day is National Sourest Day when... Okay, I see what you mean. I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from Antonine Scalia's New Jersey, (laughs) Cincinnati Swing State, (laughs) and Good Husband Georgia, this is the Skating Atheist. On this week's episode, the Trump administration decides that trans people aren't... Megan Kelly stomps around her house in a snit, trying to find the receipt for an Al Jolson costume. <laughs> <laughs> and the make-your-own-dead-sea-scroll replica section of Hobby Lobby turns out to have had a sinister purpose. But first, the diatribe. I've said before on this show that if I've got to pick one holiday and it's the only one I get every year, I'm going Thanksgiving. It's the one with football. But if I had to guess, my wife would go with Halloween. And she's got a bit of a goth streak in her. And I have a feeling she'd do the yard and haunted house year round if she thought she could get away with it. Plus, she gets to play dress up. She gets to paint her face. She gets to eat the shit out of the way too much candy she buys in hopes that this will be the year people start trick or treating again. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm all about some Halloween, too. I get Kit Kats. I, I, don't, I don't do the whole costume thing. But for the entire rest of the year, asking my wife what she thinks about dressing up like a sexy version of a cartoon character gets a way much less amiable response. I, I'm 100% on board with this. So when we get home from the UK and settle in, before we're even over the jet lag, we're at a store picking up some Halloween decorations. Now, we've got a lot of young kids in our neighborhood, so we don't go scary exactly. I'm not out to create nightmare bait, so we didn't go with my original zombie orgy idea or anything like that. We just put up a little cemetery of foam tombstones that I can chase around the yard every time there's a strong gust of wind and scatter some plastic bones and skulls and shit around the yard. A few spider webs, hands sticking out of the ground, but by the scale of what Lucinda usually does, it's mild as all hell, but apparently even that's a little too much for this neighborhood. See, It had occurred to us that none of the other houses in our area were spooking it up for Halloween. Not so much as a plastic spider anywhere else on the block. But we figured maybe we were just showing up to the party a little early. Or maybe we thought we'd be the neighborhood trendsetters. Or maybe we didn't give a fuck what the people around us were doing because putting fake spider webs and skulls and shit in your yard is fun. 
And I've been around Georgia long enough to know that the Bible Belt breeder Christians freaks the fuck out anytime we acknowledge that the human body has a skeleton in it. So I guess I knew that some of my neighbors would be warding off a hex from their living rooms. But honestly, I didn't expect any of them to speak up about it. We put the decorations up on Saturday. The intervention happened early Monday afternoon. Right. And probably because on the seventh day she rested. Now, I've already more or less met this lady before. She lives a couple houses down. And the other day she was canvassing the neighborhood for Jesus. She, I was recording at the time. So she left a little Christian care package hanging on my front door. So when I'm standing outside restaking those flimsy fucking tombstones for the 11th time and I see her walking up, I guess I already know what's coming. Or if I don't know exactly, I, I know it's not going to be something I enjoy. So a couple perfunctory things about the weather and whatnot. And then she cuts right to the point. She says, I just wanted to come by to talk to you about your yard. She says, we've got a lot of impressionable kids in the area at one point, as though the kids in one neighborhood are more or less impressionable than the ones in another. And, and in these here parts, the kids are made of silly putty. But, but, but then she says she's concerned about the message our decorations might be sending. And, and then she pauses so long, I feel like I have to respond. So I just play along and I say, well, what message is that? And as much as that seems like the question she was prompting me to ask, she seemed flummoxed by it. So, so she's gathered together her answer. And my inner monologue is just going, please say Satan. It's so much better for the diatribe. This obviously is going to be if you mention Satan. But, but she leaves the prince of darkness out of it altogether. And she says that she's concerned my decorations glorify death. I know. And her religion's whole thing, methinks. I'm not saying there's a paradise at the end of it, lady. But now I, I, I didn't say you're concerned that children will see my yard and decide that death is a cool thing they might want to get in on. Or at least I didn't say it with my mouth, but I did the best to say it with my heart. Right. And on some level, it must have gotten across because she felt the immediate need to justify that nonsense with some other nonsense. And just as I'm reflecting on what a great place this town is for diatribe material, she finally drops the bomb I know is coming. And she says, and I quote, this is a Christian neighborhood. And, and at this point, she's just come out and said, conform to my religious biases. Right. She just doesn't know it or it, she doesn't see anything wrong with that. She doesn't even comprehend the imperious levels of presumption required to speak on behalf of the religious beliefs of a neighborhood. I mean, sure, setting my wife and I aside, I wouldn't be surprised to learn every other house in three blocks in any direction is filled with Christians. But I seriously doubt they all conform to her foam tombstones from Walmart tempt children unto the devil interpretation of that faith. And even if they did, the idea that it would give her the right to dictate the lawn ornamentation of her neighbors is insane levels of pretension heaped on the already towering pile of presumption. And the most fucked up part about this is that if we swapped in a different holiday and switched roles, I'd be the villain that Bill O'Reilly has been waiting his whole life for. They'd be making Christian movies about her heroism in ignoring me and keeping her manger up anyway. See, she's perfectly capable of seeing that there's something really wrong with telling other people how they can and can't decorate their homes for Christian holidays. But somehow she manages to switch that awareness off as soon as there's a plastic skull a couple of yards down. Anyway, once it became clear that I wasn't going to pack up all my Halloween decorations at her behest and then drive her to the Piggly Wiggly, she pretended that the real purpose of the visit was to make sure I wasn't going to put up anything else that was really scary. 
You know, and if I thought about it at the moment, instead of five minutes later, I probably would have said, you mean like a Stacey Abrams lawn sign? But I didn't. No, I kind of capitulated. I just assured her that, no, this and a few carved pumpkins would be the extent of our seasonal decorum. And then she left confident that an invisible wizard in the sky was proud of her. And I walked away with a subject for this week's diatribe. So everybody left happy, I guess. But But there's an important thing in that interaction that I think is worth chewing on. Consider their silly-ass war on Christmas nightmares. I mean, no one in the atheist world gives a shit about what they put on their fucking houses for Christmas, right? From most perspectives, this is a baffling thing for them to worry about. But your fears reflect your desires. In their mind, if we're in charge, right, we're bound to come after their lawn decorations that annoy us eventually, not because it's something we'd actually do, but because it's something that they would do if they were in charge. They accuse us of teaching atheism in school when we talk about evolution, not because indoctrinating children is our actual goal, because that would be their goal if they were in charge. They warn that the secular world is trying to turn your kid gay when they have whole clinics dedicated to rewiring the sexual orientation of children and nobody else does. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm tempted to dismiss their self-deluded paranoia as hyperbole for the sake of marketing. But the more I think about it, the more that seems like a mistake. You can learn a lot about a religion from what it fears. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are Yakko and Dot to my wacko, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. <laughs> Fellas, are you ready to vamoose? Uh, fun fact, Animaniacs is 25 years old, wow. so... Uh, not a fun fact. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> fact. I'm old. All right, in our lead story tonight, you should have voted for Hillary Clinton in the general <laughs> election. And uh, just as an ongoing policy, whenever I say a sentence, probably safe to assume I intended that Hillary thing as a tacit premise to my <laughs> sentence. And a tacit closer. Yeah. You should have voted for Hillary. So, okay. It's not that I disagree with you. I just feel like people are going to think they accidentally are on an old episode. I don't fucking care what episode they think they're on. They should have voted for Hillary Clinton. Okay. So this week's extra important reason why everyone needs to be reminded not to vote like a petulant five-year-old is because of the petulant five-year-old who's now in charge of our country and his latest plan to legislate the trans community out of legal existence. Yeah. After someone explained at length that executive orders lacked the ability to turn them into dinosaurs or send them back to Transylvania (laughs) or whatever. He had a wand and everything. He was so sad. Yeah. So according to the New York Times, the Department of Health and Human Services is currently working on a new definition of gender as it applies to Title IX, which is the civil rights law that bans gender discrimination in educational institutions that receive federal funding. During the Obama administration, That definition finally began to see gender as more of a fluid concept and started to recognize the trans community. And, of course, that was a giant problem for sincerely held bigots whose early morning cum cleanups became even more full of ignorant terror and sexual confusion (laughs) than they already were. Right. And if you didn't vote for Hillary, you helped those people get their fellow bigots into power. That's what happened. And now... They're trying to roll back whatever progress happened under Obama because if we don't all pay for schools that persecute trans people, 
then we're all persecuting Christian people. That's yeah, yeah. the theory. You should have voted for Hillary. <laughs> I, I guess like somewhere in the West Wing, a group of interns spent all day trying to come up with like a like a non-evil reason they could pretend they were doing this and they failed. Yep. Right? Because because there are no non-evil reasons to take away legal protections from a persecuted minority and they did it anyway. Yep. Okay. Okay. What if we say that trans look similar to trains <laughs> and people will be afraid the trains are being protected in their school coming they don't zooming want down the hallway? Nobody wants that. Chugga, chugga, chugga. That's terrifying. That's right? a way better argument. Literally so much better. So under the new rules, gender would be defined as binary, unchangeable, and literally determined. By counting your penises at birth. And for the first time ever, GOP theocrats are asking for a system that's clear, nope. grounded in science, Super and nope. objective. Mm -mm. Which is weird. Um, Coming from them? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Unlike the physical existence of millions of trans people, which is apparently like super vague and abstract <laughs> right. and hard to grasp conceptually. Can't, yeah, I can't focus on them. Uh, and, uh... Just to be clear, this new definition could make it possible for the entire trans community to be denied health insurance or denied legal recourse against hate crimes or uh, denied the ability to get medical care at a fucking hospital. You should have voted for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> well, and, and at best, it insulates anybody who might want to discriminate against them. Right. Like, like you don't even need a conjunction to get to that scenario. No. Oh, that's what it's for. That's what it's for. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, apparently Donald Trump was having a staff meeting last week and he's like, all right, guys, we're going to list the biggest problems in the United States right now. Everybody just, you know, shout them out. We'll brainstorm. And all at the same time, everyone was like, no concrete definition of gender that's based on how many penises you had at birth. So that's <laughs> it's a big issue right yeah. now. It's a big problem in the United States. White House staff members are constantly trying to divide up rooms into birth penis groupings and <laughs> shit's getting out of hand. So, you know, boys and girls mixing, everybody starts peeing on the floor, dogs and cats living together. Mass mass hysteria. Hysteria. Pandemonium. <laughs> so that's the reasoning, I guess. And uh, just by chance, the new evangelical friendly definition would just happen to remove personhood from the trans community and would take away their civil rights protection at the federal level. But, you know, that's, price you pay for orderly birth penis groupings in rooms <laughs> you should have voted for hillary clinton you fucking assholes <laughs> okay and i want to make one thing perfectly clear because i'm already seeing the apologies coming out this move is funded by the church all of the churches Literally, over the next couple of weeks, you're going to see some fucking like trans rights or humans rights profile pictures from your local woke pastor. But if you follow where his money goes, it's to shit like this. Right. This is funded by all the churches. Yes. And in go to Mount News tonight, in case we haven't mentioned it yet, you should vote on November 6th. Correctly. Or, or earlier. <laughs> Than that. Yeah, you can vote you now. Can. You can vote absentee, fake your death, vote twice, whole bunch of stuff. No, Anyways, no, not that. A, How would that help? If you fake your death, <laughs> you're allowed to vote twice in California because <laughs> there's a caravan. 
All right, well, like Trump's going to retweet this episode now. That's the good news. (laughs) Nice. Patreon. Oh, and by the way, if you show up to vote and there's weird shit going down, just get a provisional ballot. Bottom line is you should vote. You should vote is our point here. Yeah. 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 Think about it like buying a Powerball ticket, except with consequences. Okay. (laughs) Noah, there is a guy in South Carolina right now who never has to watch a Christian movie again. So maybe we don't talk bad. About our new best friend. He could be a listener. Okay, but look, I get it. If trans rights and the future of our democracy and healthcare and women's bodily autonomy isn't just, you know, isn't quite doing it for you to get you excited about voting, why not do it for Satan? (laughs) Just Satan fucking a bunch of kids under a pizza place turns to camera. I'm Satan, and I approve this message. You should have voted for Hillary. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So according to House Representative Mike Bost from the 12th District in Illinois, Republicans (laughs) need to vote in order to, in order to, quote, stop and block any of Satan's work, any of his demons work and anything that would be a lie. Oh, and block that. I love the three things he's had taken a strong stance against are. A, a satyr that personifies all of the world's evil, mm-hmm. hordes of incorporeal hell spawn that are coming to get you in the night, and untrue things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and fibs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if the item C composites item, I anyway. So, <laughs> listeners might remember Mike Boss the way that Heath just did for handing Donald <laughs> Trump. A giant bag of prayers in response to school shootings. School shootings in a Ziploc bag with yes. post-its. Like that said Ziploc on it. He didn't even get an off-brand. Got one. He got had a nice the multicolor the zipper. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, he is also known for saying the country was under attack from people who believe, quote, we are not a Judeo-Christian believing nation, end quote. Okay. Well, as a big thank you. I think it's time for everyone to send Mike Bost a giant bag of something. Uh, dicks is the first thing off the top. Of my head. Bag of maybe maybe a giant bag of dicks that each have a prayer on them. Maybe ooh, confuse ooh. them. Or, or foreskins. They love that shit. It's in their book. <laughs> I feel like my suggestion just got deleted from the episode. I made suggestions, everybody. I made them. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> But I'm guessing the reason Bost is concerned with the voting pattern of his constituents right now is because he's only up nine points in the polls against his opponent. So, yeah, I mean, if you're in the area or hell, even if you aren't, I think a damn good way to start a canvas might be, quote, your current representative thinks you should vote to stop an evil goat demon. End quote. I mean, I don't know how successful that would be. I know it would work on me. He's got a front yard full of dicks. He's a really weird dude. He's being weird. Honestly, that would work better. (laughs) Go with your guts, people. Go with your guts. And then you should have voted for Hillary news tonight. (laughs) The state of South Carolina heard about Trump's latest plan to legalize discrimination against the trans community. And they'd like to keep that train going. So they wrote a letter to the administration that basically said, hey, great stuff, dehumanizing Classic. While you're up, can you go ahead and grab us the same thing for the Jews from the bigotry fridge that you apparently have? Wait, sorry. Last thing. Also, everyone who's not Protestant. That really happened. And it actually might work thanks to RIFRA 
And thanks to the people currently in charge of interpreting those laws, you yeah. should vote for Hillary. I, I dare say that South Carolina is going to lose its reputation as a progressive hub of tolerance. <laughs> I just love that Christians have become their own satanic church at this yeah, point. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, but first, we want to pour milk on them. You got to <laughs> or not. Wait. Yes. Aren't they aren't like Proud Boys drinking a bunch of milk now? Yes. It's what the, the best. fuck is that? Because it's white. Literally because it's white? Because it literally because it's white. Oh, uh, we got to do a little chocolate milk counter protest. Yeah. Okay. So the letter from South Carolina was written on behalf of Miracle Hill Ministries, which is a Christian themed foster care agency. Protestant Christian yeah. underlined. Protestant, <laughs> not Catholic. Yeah, helping right. kids, but decidedly not because, you know, doing good things is good, like the fucking Catholics think. They already believe in Christ, so helping kids is kind of meaningless in right. the grand scheme. They just do it anyway. And at that point, your main concern is going to be making sure those Mexican Catholics aren't finding a way to steal back any babies mm -hmm. and making sure Jewish people and atheists don't get their stockpiles too big sure. with South Carolina. It's, it's really hard to say what the fuck is going on if it's not just straight up bigotry at the expense of homeless children. It seems like that's what it, it is. If it wasn't that, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to say not because you can't find the words, but because they just don't belong together in a sentence unless you're making a slippery slope argument. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just picturing people sitting around in this place's boardroom being like, what? Other Ginsburg descents can we act out? Who? <laughs> <laughs> what if we make cakes? Can we make cakes? <laughs> yeah, so just to review, South Carolina is asking for the White House to selectively turn off the human rights for all the non-Protestants in the state. And they're not even trying to hide the motivation. Nope. They literally don't want us heathens getting our sticky little fingers all over their weirdly large horde of Christian orphans. Another great sign that South Carolina is crushing it. They have a weirdly large horde of Christian orphans. And now they're looking for what appears to be a legal timeout on the 14th Amendment. <laughs> right. And their argument is basically, you know, come on. You're thinking about canceling the 13th for Kanye. Don't be a dick. <laughs> it was the 14th. He doesn't even want it. He doesn't even want it. Password is just zeros. <laughs> and in psst, you want some antiquities news tonight, president of Hobby Lobby, <laughs> founder of the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., and chief regent of his employees' wombs, Steve Green, had an embarrassing weekend when it came to light that five of the 17 Dead Sea Scroll fragments he's displaying in his museum are forgeries. He's so stupid. That he spent millions <laughs> of dollars on. Um, and by the way, if, if you just saw the headline on this, you might be fooled into believing that that means 12 of his 17 fragments are legit. But no, the five that were deemed forgeries were also the five that were tested. <laughs> the real number of legitimate ones might be as high as four, but it's more likely something like zero. Okay. <laughs> but Noah, in Steve's defense, how was he supposed to know that... Almost perfectly preserved Bronze Age scrolls that include post-King James corrections and omissions were fake. <laughs> I mean, they were signed by Jesus. You don't just turn that down. Hold on. What are these dogs playing poker on the back? Oh, Jesus. No, Jesus liked to play Hold'em. Yeah, he was. Cool. 
<laughs> the and bulldog we, is cheating. We are just <laughs> barely exaggerating. Okay, we should also disabuse you, by the way, of the illusion that the press is selling that Steve Green is some kind of surprised victim of this con. Look, even before the Bible Museum opened last year, there were serious questions about the authenticity of his Dead Sea Scroll fragments. Granted, these were somewhat overshadowed by the $3 million settlement he paid the Justice Department when he got caught smuggling looted artifacts from Iraq into the country for his museum. But even sites like CNN were running stories in the run-up to the grand opening pointing out that the scroll fragments were probably fakes. Right, which makes it so much worse. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like going to jail for smuggling a kilo of powdered sugar up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then, years later getting seriously injured while shoving a kilo of sugar inside of your ass again. Right. Now, it's worth noting here, too, that it's not like the doubts about their authenticity came from carbon dating or some test that sounds like a throwaway tech line from Star Trek. They came from experts glancing at them for 11 seconds and going, well, them are bullshit. Right. So <laughs> biblical scholar, a Dead Sea Scrolls expert, Kip Davis, who was originally hired by Green to translate these fragments, was telling anyone who would listen that they were just old parchment that somebody inked Bible passages onto the month before last or so. And he knew this because, get this, the idiots had squeezed their letters in around the existing tears in the paper. <laughs> and because in one I shit you not incident, one of them contained what appeared to be an annotation from a 1973 edition of the Hebrew Bible. <laughs> okay. So there's a reference to President Ronald Reagan in the fronts piece, but maybe that's just... A, is that a prophecy? Hold on. Does that say at the real Jesus hashtag blessed? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to see because it's going, you know, diagonally down in smaller letters yes. right before that rip. But is that hashtag? All right. So but the key takeaway here is that the Greens had every re reason to believe that the fragments were fake when they bought them. They were just trying to create a chain of custody to support the later claims that they had them. And they were willing to pay millions for fakes if they could make that happen. You know, just like they were willing to buy stolen property. The, the fact is that the Dead Sea Scrolls are the one archaeological find that most Christians know about. And you can't exactly have a state-of-the-art museum of the Bible without a few scraps on it. So when the media portrays Steve Green as the victim here, just keep in mind that tickets to the museum go for about 20 bucks a head. And keep in mind that Steve Green's major life accomplishment was declaring his company a person so he didn't have to pay for birth control. Well, that, yeah, that. What we're saying is, and we say this as a company, any crime you do to Steve Green is a wash. No, at this that's point. not it's at fine. all what we say as a company or as official policy. Before that beep. And in which... <laughs> and in which please news tonight. <laughs> According to a new report from Quartzy.com, there may now be more witches in the United States than Presbyterians. And Christians are freaking the fuck out. But it would explain why Mueller is getting so many indictments, though. Ah, oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> From the constant fear that witches are casting spells on their political rivals to scare pieces in the Christian post that suggest Wicca is just the Satanist avocado to spread on the toast of millennials that the undying one has been waiting for, people are losing their fucking shit 
over the fact that the girl you should have been trying to fuck during high school now represents a higher percentage of the pupils than the girl you were trying to fuck to no avail. Uh, we were trying to fuck very different girls in high school, Eli. <laughs> okay, I, I don't understand the math here. How can all the girls in my high school represent a higher percentage of the population than all the girls in my high school? <laughs> uh, it's like I did a Baba Brinkman on you. Big I got gotcha. you. Swing and a miss. With my riddle. Four years. Exactly. <laughs> now, look, it's easy to dismiss Wiccans as harmless, but Wiccan leadership has a huge problem with assault. Yeah. Ting people with the long, boring explanations of how a spell is like a prayer that connects to nature while you're waiting for them to pass you a joint. Yeah. Also, Wiccan's stance on gay marriage is unclear. Some appear to be tops, some appear to be bottoms. No one said anything. And finally, who knows their stance on climate change? I mean, sure, they say they care about the earth, but does that stop them from controlling the weather? I think not. Yeah. Also, that thing they do where they're a religion. And they promote untrue things as though they were real. That's a danger, too. Either way, okay. it's well, obvious now. that some changes are coming <laughs> to religious news and probably to our show, which is why we've brought back the time machine to check out some headlines from the future. Beep, bop, boop. And we're back for headlines. A quick reminder to vote in the 2024 election. Your vote has never been more important. Well, there was that one midterm in 2018. But yeah, especially since Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh took away the voting rights of everyone who can't butt chug a 40. It's a bad example, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Anyway, one group that many politicians are trying to sway to the polls this election is the Wiccans. State Senator Michael Smith was quoted as saying, I've always believed my connection to Gaia is very strong. I have yet to see my opponent naked in the moonlight at Sovernfest at all. Smith's opponent refused these allegations, saying he was in the salt baths at the time in a cockle mask. However, his Snapchat story doesn't really back that up. And that's going to do it for headlines. Quick reminder that the 6th annual Eli Bosding Memorial Run Walk has been canceled since Eli couldn't really run or walk. But we appreciate his mom signing up nonetheless. That was sweet. And while we find some more productive uses for that time machine, we're going to pause for a word from this week's sponsor. Robin Hood. By clicking trade, you agree to all coordinating fees as agreed to by Jesus. Never fear, citizen. Robin Hood is here. You've shot my computer with an arrow. Indeed, fair wench, for you were about to be ravished by trading fees. Okay, first of all, I'm a I'm a dude. Second of all, Robin Hood? That's right. Robin Hood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free, fair maid. Still a guy. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robin Hood doesn't charge commission fees. You'll trade stocks and keep all your profits. Well, that sounds great, but you shot my computer. With your- but there's no need for a computer, gentle maid. Robinhood has easy-to-understand charts and market data. You can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. Okay, I mean, that sounds good even despite the lack of an English accent. But it gets better. This is kind of an English accent. If you think like a nah. Kevin Costner one, a little... Anyway, Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. 
Sign up at scathing.robinhood.com. That's scathing.robinhood.com. All right, I'll give it a try. Mm, perhaps a kiss from the lady for my services? No. Ugh. A man wrote the Bible? A whore is what she wants. If it's a legitimate rape. It's a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. So an unidentified woman is flying from Houston to Albuquerque on Southwest Airlines the other day. And already this is a sad story, right? She had to be in Houston. She later had to be in Albuquerque. She had to get there on Southwest. Anyway, she's napping on the flight. And when she wakes up, the guy in the window seat behind her has his hand on her tip. She confronts him. The airline reseats her. And when the plane lands, the FBI is there to meet the groper in question. So at first he tries to pretend he didn't do anything, but that blows up when they ask how else she would have known he had hairy fingers and filthy fingernails. So in his defense, he points out that, quote, the president of the United States says it's okay to grab a woman by their private parts, end quote. So yeah, it fucking matters. By the way, that was the second woman gets sexually assaulted on Southwest flight that broke in the last seven days. Funny how no man gets falsely accused of rape on a Southwest flight story is broken that time frame. Almost like one is a problem of pandemic proportions and the other is a boogeyman on par with voter fraud. Weird. Anyway, hate to say it, but that's the least bad story I've got for you this week. For our next story, we'll have to go all the way to India. Now, this starts with some good news that we've talked about before. India's Supreme Court recently overturned a centuries-old ban on women entering a particular Hindu temple. See, by Hindu tradition, menstruating in the temple would be a grievous sin. So to be safe, they bar all girls old enough to menstruate from entering it. Well, the courts in India rightly decided that that was sexist as hell, so they put a stop to it. Or at least they put a stop to the people doing it legally. Because this week, we learned that the protesters at the Sabamara temple don't really give a shit what the Supreme Court says. According to a report by the Associated Press, as soon as the gates to the temple in question were open, quote, a crowd of male devotees surged toward the temple. About a thousand police used batons to try to control the protesters who attacked them with stones and damaged police and TV vehicles and bullied female devotees to turn back, end quote. All the problems in India, and this is the one the populace takes up arms over. And for our final story, we'll whisk you around the world to the only place with worse water than India, Michigan, where a pharmacist at a local supermarket refused to provide a woman medicine to help complete the miscarriage she was in the middle of. He also refused to transfer the prescription to another pharmacy. And when she desperately explained that the fetus she was trying to terminate wasn't even viable, he called her a liar. And he probably also reached over and knocked her books out of her hand. The victim in this case, one Rachel Peterson, has teamed up with the ACLU and sent a letter to the chain that employs this household, demanding that they discipline him and implement a company-wide policy to make sure future customers don't go through the same thing. The ACLU has also filed a complaint that described the pharmacist Richard Kalkman's actions as discriminatory and cruel. But if they want for some other adjectives, I got a few. Hell, I'll even do a quick language warning to open the complaint. Right in my wheelhouse. Anyway, while I prove Carlin's seven words just lack creativity, I'll hand you back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in Quackwatch news tonight, charlatan, conman, and fucking murderer, Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski announced he's getting his own TV show this week because we all live in that episode of Community where we roll the one but like over and over and over again. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's a great show if you root for the cancer. That's true. 
That is true. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with Brzezinski, he's basically the opposite of Michael Marshall. Like, if you told me that Marsh had fucked around with some alternate dimension shit and that's why Brzezinski exists, I would believe you. He's been selling fake cancer cures since the 1970s, despite multiple attempts to stop him. And as I said, now he's getting his own TV show. Yeah, and this whole time, he's been not curing cancer with anti-neoplastin, which is a made-up, sciency-sounding nonsense word for his thing that doesn't work. Yep. And uh, before you ask, neither does pro paleoplastin. <laughs> neither does meh medium plastin. None of the fucking plastins work. And that's why his entire career has been selling medical trials. Yeah. Because he isn't allowed to call anything actual medicine. And despite literally never working for over four decades, any of that stuff ever working, he's still allowed to sell trials somehow. And and it gets to use the honorific doctor somehow. <laughs> Just keep sending Nonsense. in his findings. Yep, another loss. Yep. Uh, you know what? I'll try two mehmoplastins this time. We'll give that a try. <laughs> now, now, there is a colloidal silver lining here. The ironically named docuseries My Cancer-Free Life hasn't been picked up yet, possibly because they haven't found a TV network with a large enough basement to fill with dead bodies. But <laughs> hear me out. I say we kill... Two kids with one stone here. We get the O network. Yeah. Famous for promoting pseudoscience already. We get Gwyneth Paltrow and Brzezinski together in their first joint TV adventure. We could call it Oops. Good <laughs> <The> cops. <laughs> and in BSAT news, there exists in the world an official certification exam for astrology. Oh, good. I learned that this week. Feels like any of us could have told you that, you know, we all tie at astrology. <laughs> but if you'd like to pay for that information, there's a company offering that service for only $545 or 28 easy payments of 1995. You can get a full test preparation course along with your six-hour test that includes 600 multiple-choice questions, a true-false section, pro tip, it's always false, and <laughs> an essay portion. They have an essay portion. You should have voted for Hillary Clinton, by the way. Oh, okay, Heath, I'm pretty sure like the only thing you can't blame non-voters and third-party voters for is astrology. <laughs> uh, just did. All right, so <laughs> as the one guy here who studied astrology at one point this does not surprise me at all right there's always all the woo has a ton of because they have to sell the books the, the worst thing about being into woo is how much time you spend learning about nothing it's like the fine arts degree of pseudoscience uh, uh i'm sorry noah do you just expect me to whip out a pigeon without having practiced <laughs> in an institution for several years <laughs> chunk right. law chunk law <laughs> All right, that was so my pigeon. You know how uh, you walk into a sidewalk shanty made of stolen sheets, and yes. you're looking for a serious professional scientist to tell you about your job promotion as it applies to Jupiter. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> but you can't really tell how good they are at doing that. Well, thanks to the International Society for 
astrological research and their certification of astrological proficiency exam or ISAR CAPE, that's no longer a problem. <laughs> and it was administered this year during the United Astrology Conference in Chicago, which was attended by about 1,500 astrologers. And they spent the week honing their skills with professional development workshops, such as the astrology of a new vision of capitalism. That's real. Uh, also, eclipses, portals of destiny, <laughs> and how to work with the moon, which sounds very similar to the wine lecture we saw in France called <laughs> Transformative Hermeneutics of Quantum Vine Gravity. It's, it's a fascinating field that transcends use. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, I feel like the comparison to a fine arts degree was really my joke, but there's room for everybody in here. I mean, to be fair, Noah, after. you didn't get to see the absolute battle of wills that took place inside Heath when the very pretty girl who had free wine explained that when the moon is up, there's less gravity. <laughs> we are not welcome back at that Wendy's, yeah. <laughs> and uh, one other detail about the ISAR cape, uh, if you manage to score high enough, uh, I think you need you need a score above Q to 12. If you beat that, then you move on to the final round, which includes an ethics class. Uh, I'm going to repeat that. They do an ethics <laughs> class at the end. So I'm assuming you pass the test and then they're like, stop it. Stop doing astrology right now. And then nobody listens and they yeah. become astrologers. <laughs> I, well, I, what I imagine is you got, I got a guy at the front of a class going, now nah, you're probably asking yourself why if I know the future, I am teaching astrology to nine overweight nudists in the conference room at this Ramada. Well, it's on a kind of ethics. <laughs> yeah. Also, stars want you to cover up your penis, Dave. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> stars were very clear before the meeting started. So, uh... This whole astrology exam might sound like a scam to make money from dumb people who are trying to take money from dumb people. <laughs> that being said, I'll leave you with a statement from the official spokesperson for the United Astrology Conference. Quote, it is not for morons. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds very credible, I must yeah, admit. No, <laughs> Although, personally, I thought their original slogan was a little better. It was, uh, astrology, you're stupid. <laughs> no, no, you are. And finally tonight, in putting the cash in Khashoggi news, host of the 700 Club and upside down light bulb after a house fire, Pat Robertson has been squeezing out evil <laughs> shit like he's trying to pad the highlight reel for his scathing atheist obituary. Ooh, Pretty padded, man. Yeah. Yeah, right. You'd think it was padded enough, but it started last week when he opined on the relative worth of a Muslim life and continued this week as he called for vengeance against a Jew for an imagined slight. It's like there's a checklist of evil, sayable things on his bedside table, and he's trying to get through it quick. <laughs> like he's in a lightning round for a game show that he's also hosting. Just yeah. yelling shit out. All lives matter. I'm with him. Uh Pass. Uh, just doing their jobs. Uh, <laughs> you will be erased. I'm evil. Okay. To, okay. To be fair, medically, hatred is all that is keeping Pat Robertson alive at this point. So yeah, gonna, that's true. 
All right. Bones well for me. So let's start with this widely reported comment on the death of Washington Post contributor and former alive person Jamal Khashoggi. After the news broke that Khashoggi had been killed and dismembered by a Saudi Arabian death squad and not in that order, P. Robes was quick to urge <sighs> restraint in our national response as Saudi Arabia buys a shitload of guns from us. <laughs> All right, let's everybody be cool about the dismembering death squad. Hey, man, that sounds evil, what you're saying. Let me finish. <laughs> I am a shill for the international arms dealer who sells to dismembering death squads. <laughs> what? what? Stop looking at me. I made yeah, it better. Second half. So, okay. <laughs> so, well, now, P. Robes admitted that Wahhabis can be, in his words, obnoxious. You know, like when they torture American reporters to death for drawing attention to their genocide against the Yemeni people. That is very obnoxious. But he does remind his viewers that, quote, we've got an arms deal that everybody wanted a piece of. It'll be a lot of jobs, a lot of money come to our coffers. It's not something you want to blow up willy nilly. Willy quote. nilly. Yes. He then went on to praise <laughs> Schmuckle Orange for his courageous capitulations to that series of mutually exclusive cover stories the Saudis floated before admitting that their agents killed that guy. I mean, to be fair, it is impressive. Can't well, say it's not <laughs> impressive how he behaved. All right. So on the heels of making national news for reminding people that we make good money off the Saudis killing people. P. Robes doubled down when he aligned the tectonic plates in his face long enough to call for an investigation into George Soros <laughs> for being the subject of that conspiracy theory about George Soros funding that caravan of refugees heading north through Mexico towards the U.S. border. And Cecil hung up on him. In, yeah, in Robertson's <laughs> mind, Soros apparently paid for and orchestrated the entire thing in an effort to embarrass Donald Trump. Because apparently P. Robes thinks that costs money. <laughs> Honestly, Robertson seems to be aging closer and closer to my idiot drunk high school friends somehow. Like backwards <laughs> towards the, I don't know. Just like, and then Soros planted that bomb in his own mailbox to take attention away from the caravan. <laughs> and then he planned the next school shooting for... Whenever that happens, I <laughs> yes. will point this out to make Jew. You're profit. Jew. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jew profit. I love that at this point, the boogeyman of the religious right is giant group of refugees. Like, yeah. you're so bad that an overdone movie trope of good guys is your villain. It yeah. might as well be teens trying to save a ski center at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to his credit... P. Robes admitted that they didn't have any hard evidence that George Soros had anything to do with this, and he didn't offer up any soft evidence either. But as he said, there was suspicion, and that's plenty to warrant a federal investigation if you're not going to be a Supreme Court justice or if you're a Jew. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not sure which of his bigotries is undergirding this story, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and everything about Pat Robertson is soft, hellishly soft. It's yeah. what the witch's curse promised. <laughs> yeah, not much undergirding him at all. <laughs> all right, well, while I blow cobwebs off that P. Robes obituary one more time, we're going to close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Vote better. And when we come back, we'll stick our heads up a bull's ass to see what we find. Oh, sure, you can say we should do that. It's interesting.
You know, we try to keep ourselves on track on this show, narrowing our focus as an atheism show to the harms of religious thinking. But when you wander among the sacred crowds as often as we do, you wind up stepping in all kinds of crap. And once again, we'd like to scrape off the accumulated shit in a segment that we call How Bullshit Is It? So tell us, Heath, what meadow muffin of madness do you have for us today? Today, we'll be talking about urine therapy. All right, that can't be a thing. Sounds real to me. What? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it probably started off as a really hasty excuse by somebody <laughs> got caught doing something. But regardless, it's definitely a thing. Okay, so I'm already regretting it and I haven't even asked the question yet. But what is urine therapy? It refers to one of several medical applications of pee. It's an umbrella term that includes using urine to cure or prevent illness, cleanse the bowels, or enhance beauty. Enhance beauty. I mean, beautiful mm -hmm. is different things to different people, Noah. I wish you wouldn't judge. Oh, okay, so do they, do they drink the pee? Yep, they drink the pee. Uh. They do. They also wash their faces in it. Uh, they bathe in it. They apply a few drops under the tongue. Uh, they even massage it into their gums like cocaine. They do a lot of stuff. Why with would they do that? Why wouldn't you do that is the question. <laughs> I haven't done the gums thing yet, but as soon as we are done here. Well, uh, yeah. they do it because you're already doing it. Yeah. Thank you. Helping. Mm -hmm. You feel more beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Send us a picture. Uh, Send us a before no. and after. Okay. So they Putting do it, on it lens. to answer your question. Because urine is magical, Noah. It's magical. The entry in Skeptic's Dictionary lists 64 conditions that advocates claimed it can fix, including cancer, depression, smallpox, <laughs> aging. It can Ooh. prevent <laughs> aging. I don't know. Also, leprosy and baldness. Oh, really? Yeah. It also adds that some enthusiasts see urine therapy as a divine manifestation of cosmic intelligence. I mean, peeing into your own mouth is exactly the intelligence level I imagine God at. That so. would explain a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, according to the first alternative medicine site that came up when I googled piss drinking, under a heading titled The Medical Proof that they had, they claimed that urine is, quote, an enormous source of vital nutrients, vitamins, hormones, enzymes, and critical antibodies that cannot be duplicated or derived from any other source. What? End quote. Which, I feel like the enormity of it is subjective. You know what I mean? <laughs> a vital source of hormones. A vital source of hormones. I, it's, the, it's that last part that's throwing me off. Where do they think your pee got the nutrients and vitamins that isn't somewhere else. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just, do they think we produce the vitamins and nutrients? I'm very confused. Right, we produce them, but only for the purpose of immediately excreting them as liquid waste. Yeah, that's, right. That's okay. <laughs> All right, so please tell me that this is some obscure thing you dug up that only like six people believe in. Uh, uh, well... I couldn't find a reliable number on how many people actually practice urine therapy right now, but I feel like it's pretty telling that the American Cancer Society felt the need to release the following warning. Oh, no. Quote, 
available scientific evidence does not support claims that urine or urea given in any form is helpful for cancer patients, end quote. Jesus. We're the American Cancer Society, and you needed to hear us say that. You know who's got a bad job? <laughs> the guy who had to write <laughs> yes. that. Right, like he squeezed his dying mom's hand when he was seven years old, and he was like, I'm going to beat cancer for you, mommy. And 20 years later, he's like, again, we repeat. Jerking off your dog is not the cure for cancer. <laughs> Putting your penis in a bowling ball and rolling it down the alley anyway is not a cure for cancer. Sorry, Mom. Did not think. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so a lot of ways I guess you could go with this question, but where does piss drinking come from? <laughs> I well, Move over, Heath. Uh, lots of <laughs> cultural traditions have hailed the medicinal effects of urine. Reports dating back to ancient Rome, Greece, and Egypt suggest that urine has been used to treat maladies ranging from acne to cancer as long as we've been writing shit down. Which means the practice of getting caught peeing on each other and going, um, it's, uh, it's for medicine, is also as old as writing yeah, shit down. Right, yeah. Yeah. But the modern history of urine therapy starts in the early 20th century, with British naturopath John W. Armstrong. According to the Wikipedia article, Armstrong was inspired by his family's practice of using urine to treat minor stings and <laughs> toothaches. Oh, gross. Which, which he combined <laughs> with Proverbs 5.15, which says, quote, drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Oh, Jesus End Christ. <laughs> so, obviously, drink your pee. I'm Jesus. So he mixed folk remedies and biblical metaphors and got medicine. Oh, it's like hearing about Heath's childhood. It's just like, I remember as a boy when I'd get a toothache, my father would piss all over my face. Nope, pushing it. <laughs> pushing it back down. <laughs> pushing it. Pushing it back down. Yeah, it was a fun prank. Medicine. <laughs> go write a book. Yeah. <laughs> Toothpicks, maybe. Pee, maybe not. So starting in 1918, Armstrong started prescribing urine therapy to everybody he could hold down. And in 1944, <laughs> he published a book on the subject called The Waters of Life, a treatise on urine therapy. It's a book still used by urine therapists to this day. Amazing that the field wouldn't have advanced in the last three quarters of a century. I mean, it's Noah, weird. how much advancement in urination has there been? We don't even have a sprinkler setting yet. It comes with age. <laughs> you don't do the sprinkler? <laughs> yeah, I do the sprinkler. Yeah. Now but I'm it's jealous. weird how alternative medicine textbooks Spin. and uh, holy books are the only things that can never advance and still be taken seriously. Weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, Armstrong's writing eventually made its way to India, where they have a long and proud tradition of drinking pee. In fact, in 1978, their prime minister, Mirarji Desai, did the hometown proud when he did a 60 Minutes interview with Dan Rather about how awesome drinking his own pee was. He called it, quote, the perfect medical solution for the millions of Indians who cannot afford medical treatment, end quote. So telling people with no medical insurance to eat shit is basically just a 
A new take on an old strategy, yeah, Apparently, I guess. yeah. The year is 2024. Grand Imperial Leader Trump demands his people drink their own pee to own libs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Let them eat urinal cake. Exactly. <laughs> Queen right. said that. Um, so does, does urine have any actual medicinal uses? Nope, does not. Uh, or, I mean, if it does, they aren't known to any science. I mean, I, I guess there's probably something extracted from urine somewhere or something, but there's definitely no known medical benefit to drinking your own pee. That's official. Question, what about other people's pee? Yeah, no, that too, also. <laughs> no benefit. Okay. And I should be clear that this also extends to topical treatments. Pee finds its way into a lot of modern folk remedies for like, jellyfish and wasp and bee stings or like poison ivy foot fungus you get a cut or a sunburn but to be clear that's you're just peeing on yourself it has no <laughs> medical value and according to an article in scientific american it might actually just make the injury hurt worse because now you've peed on it <laughs> right or at least it makes you feel worse okay so how how harmful is it Harmful is it? Exactly. Thank you, Noah. We are asking for a friend. <laughs> so compared to lots of things we talk about in this segment, not extremely harmful, I guess, but it's a weird bar to compare it to. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's just say drinking your own pee probably won't hurt you if you do it in moderation, but that's a weird thing to say also. Like it's another... In moderation. Okay. <laughs> but I should really stress the probably in that last sentence. And it definitely won't help you. Okay. Well, I guess that all that's left to ask is, how bullshit is it? It's, uh, Donald Trump's face looks super healthy and not at all like a cancer-themed troll doll. Levels of bullshit. Well, there you go. All right. Well, I can't be the only one who's feeling thirsty, so we're going to pause for a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk to you instead of just talking at you. Before we put the mics back in their holsters tonight, I want to remind you that if you can't get enough Heath in your life, there was a rare sighting of an incredulous episode this week, and Heath was guesting on it live from QED. If you want to give it a listen, and trust me, you do, you'll find a link on the show notes for this episode. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Monday, an even newer episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this episode would need an asterisk if I neglected to thank the man who puts the sin in single Heath Enright. I need to thank the man who puts the best in asbestos-filled house Eli Bosnick. I need to thank the gal that puts her finger in my... Nope. Course correction. Going a different way. I need to thank the woman who puts the joy in my life, which is... Just a different way of saying finger in my ass, really. Anyway, Lucinda Illusions. I also want to thank Nate from the Satan and Rainbows podcast. If you want a little more critically reviled heavy metal and progressive rock in your life, you'll find his show on the show notes as well. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best people, Justin, Jeremy, Thomas, Gerald, Stenmark, Andy, Corey, Bald Primate, Diane, Ryan, Vincent, and Shelby. Justin, Jeremy, Thomas, and Gerald, whose condoms could have stopped that whole Exxon Valdez thing before it got out of hand. Stenmark, Andy, Corey, and Bald Primate, whose gender-ambiguous names preclude a genital compliment, but who deserve one anyway, so hey, nice genitals. And Diane, Ryan, Vincent, and Shelby, who are so fair, mirror, mirror on the wall, printed a formal retraction. Together, this dozen delegates for disbelief decided to divert dollars to the durability of our doubtful deliberations and defend dupes deceived by the dogmatic dipshits this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the alliterative qualities it takes to give us money, but if you think you're up to 
to the challenge, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but you don't have the money to donate after going full-size candy bar this year, good on you. And you can also help a ton by leaving a five-star review on iTunes, telling a friend about the show, and liking us on Facebook. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Edward Torres. Tim Robertson handles our social media, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. All right. I so thought I thought he got peed on. I feel he like on? he got peed on. Yeah. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.